0: This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise up uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, so hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now, let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle. This is the Year of the Leader. This is the Leading Second Podcast. And welcome to the Leading Second Podcast. This is a space we've created for anyone who leads from the middle. If you're wanting to give your all for the kingdom of God and and get it right for your church and your pastor, this is the space for you. I'm glad you're here. My name's Clark and I'm one of the team members here at Leading Second. Today we have a great Ask Us Anything episode and we have some returning friends of ours. So before we jump into the questions, I'd like to talk to you about some friends at Tithely. We are partnering with Tithely for the season of the podcast, and we wanted to bring some awareness to this resource. So it begs the question, do you want to grow generosity at your church? Now I'm sure it's a resounding yes. Then if you do, one of the ways you can do that is making it easy and convenient to give. And Tithe.ly offers a free online giving tool that makes it simple for your church members to tithe and make offerings. With Tithe.ly, your church members can give from their digital devices, you know, their their phones, their their laptops, their computers, and it's all convenient. And on average, churches who use Tithe.ly increase their giving by 165% year over year. That's a great investment. So, to learn more about how you can use Tithely to grow generosity at your church, go to Tithely.com. Okay, for today's episode, Pastor Brandon is joined by some returning friends, Kyle Heinecke, a campus pastor of Fresh Life, Nicole Moore, a location pastor at Champion Center, John Hatto, an executive pastor at Hillsong Toronto, and they all sit down with Pastor Brandon to t- work through a variety of questions that have been compiled by some of you and some questions that have, they've been wrestling through themselves. So let's jump in to today's conversation.
1: Okay, this is one of our favorite conversations of the year on the podcast. This is our Ask Us Anything episode, and I'm so excited to be joined by some brilliant leaders. Uh, First up is Pastor Nicole Moore from Champion Center. Say what's up to everybody, Nicole. Hey,
2: everyone. Good to see you, kind of. Nice to be heard by you, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah it's fun i'm excited i'm excited to have this conversation and i wish that this had been a part of my life earlier as a young leader so thank you pastor brandon for all that you do for the second
1: yeah me too i think that's why we started this let's let's give everybody what we wish we had when we were all figuring it out uh, you know all, way back in the day now uh, tell everybody what you do at our church
2: Sure. I am the location pastor for our Tacoma. We have four campuses and, uh, Tacoma is kind of the mothership. So, uh, I get to hold down the fort in Tacoma and just, I have a great team. Wonderful. It's great to be in the Northwest where nobody goes to church. And, uh, so we have lots of opportunity to reach people.
1: Absolutely. And you'd also have imprint, you know, across our locations being the broadcast campus, I'm sure you have, you have reach all the way across. So, Excited to hear your perspective today from that seat. Also, Kyle Heinecke from Fresh Life Church. Welcome back to the podcast, friend. Thanks for having me. Glad to be back.
3: Uh, you, you said it. I'm a campus pastor. I'm uh, just trying my best to be like Nicole.
1: Um, <laughs> aren't we all?
3: I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm at the broadcast location at Fresh Life in Kalispell, Montana. Um, I did a tour in Billings for a few years, and uh, about six, and I did a tour in Portland for about five years as well as a campus pastor. So it's nice to be back in Kalispell, where I'm from, born and raised.
1: Awesome. Well, we love you. We love your house. And last but certainly not least, John Hatto from Hillsong, Toronto. Welcome, sir.
4: What's going on? It's good to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Update us on your world uh, and what you're doing at the church these days.
4: Yeah. So I am executive pastor at our church. Uh, I guess the Formal title is Hillsong Canada. Um, currently, we are just rocking the one campus in Toronto, uh, which is going really great. And uh, uh, our amazing lead pastors, Damien and Julie, uh, taking the charge there and really moving us forward. So, um, yeah, really bright days ahead for us.
1: Well, I'm thankful for each of you and how you represent your pastors and churches. And today is going to be a wide ranging conversation. We have questions from Social media. We have questions from events that we get asked often that we figured we'd tackle today. And I think we each brought a few of our own. And I'm actually going to get us started right now. I would just love you know to, to dive into the conversation and hear from each of you. You know what do you feel is maybe one of the greatest challenges you're facing right now in in ministry? I think there's a lot of a lot of good happening in in the church right now, uh, as we're making our way through this season, but certainly a lot of challenge. Uh, I'd love to just kind of hear like, what, what are y'all facing right now? What are, what are we, uh, looking at in our churches right now?
2: I'll kick it off. I, uh, I think the greatest challenge that I'm facing now is, uh, a leadership challenge. And, uh, what mm-hmm. I mean by that is we are, we're, we're our, our, pastor's vision this year is to live like a leader and uh, we found like everybody who went through the pruning of, you know, 2020, um, we're working really hard at ensuring that our leaders that we are m- new leaders that are moving in are in alignment with our, our vision, but also alignment, you know, culturally alignment, uh, theologically. And so we have been working this last year really hard at growing uh, leaders that are in that, le- knowing that they're in that alignment. So we have a leadership development program we've been working through, and obviously it's something that we've always done, but done it in a new and unique way. And I think the greatest challenge facing me is um, as a team, we're really challenged to work more through our volunteers than even staff. And why that's a particular mm. challenge to me is that I'm uh, while I do own the responsibility of our largest location, I have the privilege of having the most staff. So, typically for me, I'm just, we're, you know, it's a staff member that, hey, we're, we're not hitting the mark in this area. Come into my office. Let's strategize. Let's work together. You got this. Rah, rah, rah. Mm-hmm. Now go do your thing. And I really hope you do your thing because I don't want to think about your thing anymore because this is what you're hired <laughs> to do, you know, that kind of thing. So, now I'm working with volunteers. And to give you an example the connections team is probably the largest team. Uh, outside of, you know, our kids team uh, the, it on a given Sunday. It oversees you know, parking and ushers and greeters and does all the things, you know, they are responsible. Really, they're the heart and soul of who we are. They're the reasons people make decisions to keep walking through the doors and even come to our auditorium. So they pay, really play a significant role. And uh, because of that, uh, it matters that they have strong leadership. Well, We had a shift in leadership uh, in Tacoma about eight months ago and PK and I uh, really worked through a conversation and I just said, hey, I really think this volunteer is ready to step into a staff level role. So while I wasn't wrong about that and this person's amazing, I did not know what I was getting myself into in terms of the effort <laughs> it was going to take from me to help this person right. who's a volunteer. They work for the state of Washington in IT and high capacity, probably better than me, honestly, in a lot of ways as a leader. Um, comes with a huge uh, like wealth of tools, uh, that to the right person for the job. However, they've only been at our church for several years so culturally that's where they're at a disadvantage so now I'm I would say the greatest challenge that I'm facing is getting that person culturally steeped in a short period of time on how we do things here again excellent in character fully aligned with us, but how do we do it here? And so bumping my head up against that and the amount of time that it's taken, I meet with this person weekly to go over wins and challenges, Mm. to talk through how we're gonna have hard conversations. It's been a tremendous investment and uh, that's new for me. That's new for me to invest at a staff level responsibility uh, for me uh, so consistently throughout the week. So I'm happy to report. He's making great progress. I, I feel like we're gonna we're meeting less and less, and our meetings are getting shorter. But wow, tremendous effort and challenge for me.
1: Yeah. Hey, he still had a smile on his face last Sunday. So yes. I I, I, saw, I saw him and I was like, hey, we're we're still rocking it. That's awesome. You know, I Nicole, I asked this question because don't you think sometimes it's so easy when you hear people on a podcast, it's so easy to know, you know, to think that someone. Talking, you've got it all together and man, I'm sitting over here dealing with really tough stuff and I, it's just so universal right now and you just took us to the big one and and I, I think, it, you know, John and Kyle could probably just echo it more, but but thank you for that because I, I hope our our audience listening today would just find some commonality in this that really... Yeah regardless of size of church, regardless of, of longevity of the ministry, how new or how old your church is, there's some really universal challenges right well, now. It, just, uh,
2: and it, it goes back to fundamentals. Isn't that true for all of us? I mean, we're, 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 we're like, why, how did we become great in the first place, so to speak? Okay, let's go back and start all over again and do all that. That's so, true. Yeah.
1: John, where are you at right now, friend, up in Canada?
4: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's no no secret that our, our church has been been through it a little bit over the last few years, right? And sure, um, I, I think one of the one of the the fascinating challenges of our our current season. I mean, our pastors planted uh, church fourteen years ago. We became Hillsong only five years ago. So you can imagine that that transition of number one being a local church becoming Hillsong. Um, and uh, you know the systems that you adopt and all those kind of things. So we were you know we we had built systems uh, you know in a kind of under our own steam in that sense, uh, still trying to align with the Hillsong model, if you like. Um, sure. And then when we became Hillsong, you kind of step into a whole new sphere of, okay, there's certain systems we're going to adopt, there's certain practices that maybe we need to to hone in uh, to align ourselves with more with the global the global Hillsong Church. Uh, model, and then you hit the pandemic just like everybody else right so so a lot of these systems that we were just kind of starting to to tweak uh, i mean they got they got thrown up in the air, and obviously in in Toronto here the the restrictions were crazy um, we were locked down for for a lot longer than most places in north america and so then so then you've got this kind of fresh expression coming out of the pandemic, and one of the one of the massive uniques of Toronto is it is an incredibly multicultural city. So as soon as the 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 restrictions lifted and the borders opened, I mean the Canadian government lets in you know a lot of you know there's a lot of immigration into into Canada and I love it. I think it just it brings this beautiful um face if you like to our church and we've got a church that really does reflect reflect the city. But you're you're trying to again same as same as you, we're trying to we're trying to align people from different nations we're trying to align people from different churches um and at the same time figure out what we're doing right and then obviously the things that have been we've been through the last couple of years leadership wise and it's been quite an interesting dynamic for us because we have vision at a local level we've got some amazing team on the ground here in toronto Big visionaries that are just ready to, to take the ball by the horns. They've been building church, some of them with Pastor Damien and Julie for over ten years. Um, and at the same time, we've got this dynamic where there is a there is a bit of a shift, right? With our, with the vision of our global church, we've got new senior pastors globally with Phil and Lucinda, and and they're amazing. We love them. Um, and so it's it's for us, it's that tension of figuring out all of these different dynamics, right? And I think I think sometimes it's easy to assume that. You know, the name over the door has, has swayed one way or the other. But the reality is, you know, even at a local level, you just, you're still trying to build church. You're still trying to just help people. And so just like you, Nicole, like we've, we've really been through that journey of looking at a lot of our processes and looking at a lot of our leadership development and, and trying, to, trying to consider what, what were the things that, yes, made us great. What were the things that were really helpful uh, that, that really drove our church forward that we want to hold on yeah. to? While at the same time, reassessing a lot of those things and actually saying, is, is this still a principle that we hold to? Is this still something that is going to build the lives of people in 2023 and, and beyond, right? So there's, there's a lot of moving parts for us, especially right now. And um, I mean, we, we love it. We love the challenge for sure. But it definitely, it sometimes feels like things are not moving as fast as you want them to or as fast as you expect that they would. And at the same time, the people the caliber of people that we've seen step into our church in this kind of post pandemic season, they've been amazing like they mm-hmm. actually have been they're ready to build, they're ready to to serve they love jesus they yep. yeah, like you said they've 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 stuck it out through a lot of them through that that really tough season of the pandemic and they now they're just like hey we we want to get moving, let's go." Um, so that's, that's amazing for us.
1: What I just heard was transition, transition, transition is what I, is what I just heard. Aren't you amazed though, John, at the enduring nature of the church that oh, yeah. I think sometimes we think we hold it together and our, our brilliant ideas hold it together. And I, I mean, being a bit facetious, but I, I, you know, I think we give some of that a lot of stock and some of that and. Haven't you just seen God be so sovereign at the end of the day over his church in the middle of really big transit? You start to realize, man, maybe Jesus is actually really taking care of this thing in this season. Would you agree?
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I think the the beauty of it is that it's teaching us, right? It's it's actually molding us as leaders through it all, right? It's almost as though Jesus is like, hey, (laughs) I know you think you know what you're doing. But let me show you a few a few things here, and and that's um, you know we're we're actually becoming better leaders by trying to become better leaders, if that yeah, makes sense. That's good. Sounds like this weird like chicken and egg thing, but yeah, definitely loving loving it.
1: That's awesome, Kyle Montana. No, first in the report. Everything's easy and perfect.
2: <laughs> Next
3: question.
1: Um,
2: I'm I mean, moving to Montana.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, you know, to have spent like 11 years in the distance campus world where you're, you know, isolated, not at the fault of anyone. It just is what it is. It's an honor of its own kind. Um, you know, I was sort of the, you know, I was the only staff member, like at most of this time that I was outside of our broadcast location. And it's like, you kind of become the, the, the person that takes care of everything, you become an expert in every little piece of it, you know, and you get a little fat and lazy about how you approach things and you've got your own style and you've got your own, you know, you don't nobody's questioning anything you're doing. It's like, Oh, well, you know, whatever, make a decision, you run with it. And so, um, moving here, you know, I've been so blessed to have like five staff members, a ton of interns, uh, we have a residency program and a college uh, program. So we've got just a a steady stream of of people that are willing hands far more capable than me. Um, and, and it's great, but it has been a really interesting experience to kind of get out of my own head and like, hand over this to someone and trust that they're going to lead it and execute it. And, and it, every time it's been better than I could have ever imagined. So it's, It's been great but it's been a challenge for sure because you know how do you know what you don't know sort of like you kind of have to just experience that and i vowed to my wife and to my team when i moved back here um one of my favorite sayings um just in leadership is prescription without diagnosis is malpractice and Mm. it's this attitude of kind of coming in thinking you know what somebody else needs or what some culture needs or you know And I just tried to really sit back for a year and say, okay, I've never experienced December at Fresh Life in Kalispell. I've never seen November. You know, it's like, I want to see what every season and the rhythm like before I start making any adjustments or, or even assuming that my understanding is correct anyway. So um, it's just been a real, it's been challenging, but it has been very, very positive to, to have a team and to be experiencing that. And we've made some really cool changes uh, along the way and uh, they were right and they were at the right time and they were done in the right way. I think Pastor Craig Rochelle says, he doesn't espouse the notion that people don't like change. He said, if that was the case, why do we make a new iPhone every year? Mm. Obviously we do do like Mm. change. It's just usually how we go about asking people to change that people don't like. And so wow. it's been cool to see things changing, but um, done in the right way.
1: That is so interesting. I had I had never heard it put that way. That's amazing.
2: I'm taking notes. Well, Cut. thank you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well said, my friend. So we had some questions sent in. We each brought some questions of our own. In fact, maybe I'm going to open up the table to this room, Nicole, why don't you get us started today with a question that we could wrestle through together?
2: Okay, I got a great one because this is I'm gonna just share with you the things that are my bother, so to speak, too. And exactly one of the things that I wonder about are oftentimes sitting in my seat. So you know I feel like secondary leaders, especially if you're like a campus pastor, an executive pastor, I like to think of us as the creamy filling of the Oreo cookie. We've got our senior leadership above us. We've got all of the people below us, and we are in the middle sometimes. Like we're getting smashed sometimes, but a lot of people <laughs> will take those cookies off and they only care about what's in the middle. So I'm just saying, I feel too. like that's
3: a strikingly healthy. <laughs> Perspective to be a Ted
4: Lasso, like I don't know. If I'm, you know yeah, I'm here for the pet talk. Yes, this is so great, I'm, I'm
2: thinking. Sometimes, you know, I'm I'm my, so my question is, I have people that uh, that come to me for guidance and questions and answers and all of those things, um issues, if you will. So the question I have is, as a second chair leader, when an issue comes your way. What are the things, what types of things should you decide, I can do. I can answer this, I'm responsible for this, I can get to a resolution on this, I can resolve this on my own, and then what are the things that are like, not? Nah, I can't do this one on my own, this one has to go up. So what I mean by that is, I, I feel like I spend most of my day looking at somebody and saying, uh... You, you, you got this. I don't, I'm don't. i not quite sure why you're sitting across the table from me right now, because I think you already have the answers and you know what to do. Maybe you just need like, you know, a little pat on the back to reassure you that you're going in the right direction. But then there are other times that I have, you know, staff or team that would make a decision. And I'm like, what were you thinking? Why That is not a decision you should have made on your own. Like we are, we got a team here. So there's this tension that exists between uh, when do I collaborate? When do I bring it to the team? And what is something I need to just handle my business on because I wouldn't be in this role if I wasn't capable. So maybe we could just have a conversation about what what are the qualifiers that 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 say, hey, I need to go up, and what are the things that I need to say it's mine, I need to own it.
4: Great question. Yeah, that's a great question.
1: John, Kyle, sol- solve all the problems of the world for yeah, us here.
4: Help so me. <laughs> so okay, so the first the first thought that came to my mind, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a qualifier. Um, and I can really only speak from, you know, from personal experience, but, but in the sense of I've actually, I've actually wrestled with this a lot, and I actually had a similar conversation with my wife, who doesn't doesn't work for church. She actually works for a real estate office, um, but similar kind of experience even in her workplace. And and what are the things that you know even as a as a leader I should be trusting my staff with, right? Um, and I think one of the things for me that I found really helpful is sometimes you can't, you can't fault uh, time, right? Time actually teaches you so much about what it is that your leader requires of you and what it is that they, they hope for. And it's, it probably took about five years, I would say, for, for me serving with Ali pastors to really start to get a handle on, okay, what is it that they want to be involved in and what is it they don't want to be involved in? And that, that sounds like a really long time. And maybe there's people even on, you know, listening to this right now. And you thinking, about five years, that's forever. Like you're one year in, you just need answers right now. Um, but I think there's definitely gotta be, you've gotta, you've gotta learn to pay attention to the things that matter to your lead pastors or the things that matter to your oversight, um, to, to actually create room for them to be able to speak and, and, I think one of, those, one of those dynamics is when it goes south, when you, maybe when you do step, overstep in a sense, um, be willing, be willing to, to wear that and actually hold that and say, yeah, you know what? Okay, uh, maybe, uh, maybe I ran too fast. Um, and and I, think, I think where I tend to sit with it is if it's operational, I try to look after it myself or I try to uh, you know, bring our team to that level. If it's vision-oriented, that's when I take it up a step. When I say, okay, this has, the, this has the potential to shift the trajectory or the even the direction of where we're going as an organization, that for me is where I would take it to that next level. And one of the things I found really helpful in that space, if I'm not sure, is to actually just go to my lead pastor or go to my oversight and actually say, hey, I wanted to give you the heads up, this is what's happening, this is what I'm doing about it. I don't need a response from you if you don't, but, but feel free to speak into it if you want to. So it's more a case of I'm making them aware that this is my court, chosen course of action. So yeah. that they're also not then seeing it on social media, they're not hearing it on the grapevine, they're not reading it on Basecamp in some random thread. <laughs> they're like, what the heck is going on over in you know yeah. in Toronto? Why is that connect group doing what it's doing? Um, Sometimes for, for our oversights it's, it's purely about them knowing that we've got a finger on the pulse right. so that they don't have to stress about it. Um and so for me that open line of communication right. and you'll soon find out. You'll soon find out, right? If you if you're, your are oversight's like, dude, I don't need to know that. You're like, all right, cool. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna peg it back a step. Yeah. Um but but most of the time my experience has been when I communicate. Number one, communicate, like actually clarify, don't, you know, it's not this massive paragraph of like clear all the issues, but just, yeah. Hey, this is what's going on. Super succinct. Here's what I'm doing about yeah. it. So actually providing them with, with that second point of like, this is the activity that I'm the, uh, you know, the action I'm taking. And, and and even to a point where if I need wisdom and I'm not sure which action to take, I actually come with say two or three and I say Here's, here's three of the options. Here's three of the things I'm thinking about doing. Do you have a preference or should I just run with it? That's great. And, and oftentimes, you know, there's, there's feedback there. Sometimes it's just, yeah, no, we trust your judgment, go with what you feel is right, you know? Um, but, but oftentimes it's that, it's that lane of communication that I find is, is the, the thing that brings the life to the situation. And then just, it builds relationship too. That's helpful.
1: don't you think, would you guys agree, I don't think our pastors are bothered when they're asked to give clarity around this. Yeah, I think sometimes we almost assume, oh, I don't want to bother them by asking if they'd like to weigh in on this or, you know, we, which I get, I get not just rushing to pastor about everything, but I think we get a little overly guarded. Would you agree that that we... We don't, and sometimes we just miss out on the clarity they could so easily provide. On yeah, I like to weigh in on those things, or no, I trust you, you know, for those things. I I guess I used to assume that, anyways. I used to assume I don't want to bother Pastor Kevin asking him if he wants to hear about this. I've actually found he really appreciates information, and even if it's a yellow thumbs up emoji, you know, back or something, he appreciates hearing about it.
3: I would just say, I think a lot of this has to do with the relationship and the nuances of that with your pastor, like certain pastors lead in a different way and expect different things. And so to, I think more directly answer your question, Pastor Nicole is like, it would really be somewhat of the responsibility of the relationship between you and your pastor, because like, have you ever, um, have you ever heard of that, like empowerment quadrant, um, I'm not going to it's not perfect, but it's that like no go, go kind of
1: mm-hmm.
3: tool sure. that you can assess what your empowerment is, yeah. you know, and for those that aren't familiar, my best attempt at describing it is like when you're teaching a child to walk across the street, it's first, it's no go, you may not cross that street. And then it's, uh, I'll go and then you can, you can come with me. And then the next one is you can go, but you need to tell me that you're going and I have to approve it. And the last one is you're free to go, you know? And so I think that depending on the relationship that you have with your pastor and where you're at in that em- empowerment is, is one. And then as you said, John, about, about time, you know, it's like, personally, I've been around long enough where I kind of go like, I know that I I, I don't even need to ask this question. That would be considered an invalid question. If I were to go to this person and say, what do they think? Cause it's like, well, you know, we've trained you, we've shown you, we've, you know, you know, this, this is well trodden, you know, territory for you, but, but a newer person. And as a pastor with new staff myself, absolutely happy to bring clarity and, Uh, vision and really understanding helping them understand the why behind something and behavioral values all those things but i don't often go to my lead pastor and say hey like am i like checking the boxes on the being comfortable in my own skin because that's kind of not sounding very comfortable in my own skin if you will you know (laughs)
2: so is that yeah. And yeah. no, well, these are all really helpful. You know, I honestly, I, I, we live this out in the campus pastor role, but so do all of our team members that are serving right alongside of us. They're living this out with us as well, you know, and I, I appreciate, you know, the, the feedback that you both offered. I, I do think that I, I loved what you said to uh, Pastor John about just the, if it's vision oriented versus it's organizational, you know, if it's in my job description, handle it for the most part. But I always think too, about the bigger impact you know, if my pastor heard about this and I had and, and yes. heard it from someone else before me, would that be a problem? And, and that kind of yeah. helps me also qualify. Yeah. yeah. Again, I love that. Let's just go up the chain. And I do an end of a week report every week for Pastor Kevin because he prefers just a bullet points. And I, I give him some information on people, on problems that I'm having on uh, progress that I'm making on things. And this is just like every Thursday, here it comes and it's bullet pointed. And it actually has really, I feel like that's his attempt at getting information from us, all of us campus pastors, not having to have a sit down two hour meeting with each one of us. If he's got a follow-up question, he'll ask. So that's really helpful though. Mm-hmm. Thank you all.
1: So I have a thought that goes alongside this, Nicole. So if you're dealing with this dynamic, most likely the other campus pastors are dealing with this dynamic, right? Like this is this is not isolated to any of us. And so, let's zoom out. We just answered the question on the individual basis. Let's answer it on the organizational basis now for a second. So, alignment isn't just a heart issue. Alignment is the result also of someone knowing what they can own and not own, you know, what they're empowered to do and not empowered to do. If you think about it, someone can't truly align with something that's unclear. And I I actually have a growing suspicion that some of the alignment issues we have that I used to think were just sheer heart issues actually sometimes are just really great people that lack clarity or proper empowerment. So I start to wonder, okay, if 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 a if one campus pastor is dealing with this, I wonder if all, all of them are. And if so, maybe this is a chance for us to zoom out and actually answer this question for the group and say, as campus pastors, you are empowered to do X, you know, but why? What well, let's check with pastor on that, you know, and, and. Maybe maybe that would help bring some clarity just to the, to the groups. So I think of directors in the church, or I think of any any tier or any decision making group in the church. I just wonder about clarity now. That's kind of my new bother. Is how do we drive clarity deeper and answer this not necessarily individual, but start to add you know a- answer this question for the organization so that. Um, so that we're not all reinventing the wheel. So I think Nicole, you just mentioned one, and we don't have to talk too deep on it, but you just mentioned a report. I think that was an attempt to answer across the board a lack of information flow. And would you agree? Because it's really done wonders in in some ways. A simple report.
2: Sure. I, I think it's also given our our senior pastor some peace of mind. <clears throat> the organization mm-hmm. is growing so rapidly that he can't he he can't know. He he, he doesn't even know all the people. I've replaced that role of knowing, knowing people, even in Tacoma, he, he's not even, he's present in Tacoma every weekend. He has no idea how things are going on in DuPont. He's, there's no finger on a pulse to be in the presence of that campus. So I think for him, it's just been a really great tool for him to have just a general understanding of what even our bothers are. You know, I, I I really, I'll be honest with you. I work real hard every week. To not let the problem section of my end of the week report be the largest. <laughs> <section>. <laughs> like, okay, like what can I really spare him on? You know, I do think just the simple check-in has made a difference for him. And and we're we're working on in, uh, implementing something similar, but maybe less formal for our directors across the board on a Sunday by Sunday at seven pm. What's a win that happened today for you and your department? What's a challenge that you're going to overcome? What are your top three priorities or your top priorities this week? You know, something simple like that. That's a text message. That doesn't even have to be a formal sit down meeting, but just simple check in points that I think are helping maybe alleviate even some of the wonder of our leaders. Does this go up? Does this go down? That kind of thing. So, yeah.
1: Kyle, you had a great question for us to wrestle through today.
3: Um, yeah, when it, this is perfect timing for this, because I think we're already on the subject of kind of assessing kind of like, how do we check ourselves on it, culturally, relationally, behaviorally? Um, and, um, you know, if you'd asked me, like, what is one difficult thing I'm currently learning the most about? My answer would be just on a character development is being confident in a decision, even though it's not a popular decision. I know that leading by consensus is a mistake most times. Um, that uh, can really slow us down. And I had to make a decision. I had great support, but it's not a popular decision. And it's not a popular decision, not just from a staffing standpoint, but it's not a popular decision within the the body of the church locally. And, um, there's not any information I can share about it. I can't, and I'm not going to, you know, go on the defense or anything, but just sort of sitting with like being unpopular, (laughs) you know, and, and being doubted or even slandered, you know, and to kind of, I, I would love to learn more on just how to take those bullets and not let them come home with me or, you know, show up in my dreams or affect the way I'm talking to my children or, you know, like I may be sound very weak right now and well, so be it, but it's not fun. You know what I mean? It's just not fun. And I know our pastors have had to endure that. And where's the manual that I can look up that strength, you know? And also just in addition to that, how does that weigh on my pastor? And that like now they're witnessing this and do they have to, you know, it could make him look bad as well, or his congregation is is, you know, it's a whole conflagration, you know? It's like so
2: yeah. I have a clarifying question about that. So the unpopular decision isn't unpopular with your leader per se, but those that you lead. Correct. Okay.
3: Yeah.
1: My Enneagram number does not allow me to weigh in first on this answer. <laughs> I care too much. <laughs> I'm joking, but, yeah. but, but, but yeah. it's real. It's real.
3: <laughs> yeah. So.
2: Right. I think, uh, you know, just listening to you talk and I'm trying to reach for, and I'm putting myself in that position when that's happened to me before I draw confidence and strength from my leader's support of my decision. And, uh, you know, this is trivial and it's probably not a similar scenario, but there's an older church member who was, um, you know, has a gift of prayer, intercession, 100%. I see that on her life. Um, If I have to go to spiritual warfare, I'm calling this gal. Okay. But the way she was leading it on a weekend was weird. I mean, it was just weird. It was almost like seance weird. I'm like, what are we doing here? What's going on here? And I remember um, dawdling on having to, to to pull the trigger on what I knew I needed to do. I needed to confront this lady and say, listen, love that you are gifted in this area. Don't love the method in which you're doing this. This isn't our culture. You need to shift and change it. And I wrestled so much with it that I went back to my leader about it and was kind of like almost complaining about it, you know, then... Really asking for advice, and he looked at me and he said, So, why haven't you handled this yet? You know what to do. (laughs) And I said, Well, you know, she's been here, she has influence, she's been here longer than me, she's twice my age, blah 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 blah, making all these excuses. And he goes, I just have one question for you Who's higher up on the food chain than you? And I said, Uh, (laughs) you. He goes, Would I support what you have to say? And I said, Yes. And he goes, 100% yes, not just yes, 100% yes. If you yeah. offend her, know that I am also offending her and that and that because mm. you know that have the confidence to know I'm behind you every step of the way. And I, I would say that that really boosted me when you ask about like dealing with the darts, so to speak. If I know kind of reminds me of those pictures of the little mini roaring lion, you know, the the little the baby lion that's roaring. Mm at the animal and they get, they, they have this tiny little roar and they're not intimidating anyone until they don't know big Papa comes, stands behind them and Mm -hmm. is roaring right alongside of them. And all of a sudden they think it's them like, see, and, Mm -hmm. and I Mm -hmm. almost feel the same way about my leader. It's like, man, I, I may not feel like confident. Even I might be struggling with my, I might even be wrestling with this myself. Maybe it's the right decision and I know it's right organizationally, but I have so much empathy. I can see both sides of it. And it might even be hard for me to pull the trigger on what I know to be right to do for the people reasons or whatever. But if I know my leaders with me and going to support me, and if this goes beyond him, he's got no issue with it. And is going to look at someone and say the exact same things that I just said, man, that just makes me throw my shoulders back and feel like, bring on the bullets, bring on whatever you're going to bring on. I'm confident that Papa Bear, so to speak, is with me and for me. And I got this. We're going going to get around no matter what.
4: That's great. That's I great.
1: love that answer. That's beautiful. I I think Kyle, this is just real territory because uh, some personality types can find their way, you know, out of that fear of man trap really easy, and others, uh, it's a real challenge getting out of that. And th- those darts shouldn't matter. But they matter, you know? And sure. I they hurt. They hurt. They sit with you. So a question I've been starting to ask myself at the end of maybe like a coaching call or a or a tough conversation is do I have a clear conscience? Have I said what I need to say in this moment? I just had a tough one earlier today. And what I had to say, I feel like it was right. Um, I think old me would have backed up and not said it cause I was going to hurt someone's feelings. And, you know, for some reason like that was an important factor to not hurt their feelings. And I think I've been asking myself, can I hang up this call or end this meeting with a clear conscience? And if it's a no, then I have to say it. And that's been helping me at least as a recovering okay. people pleaser to, to <laughs> find, find my peace before God. Honestly, that I, And you know why is because now getting in a few years, you know what some of the most disappointing moments for me have been Kyle have been when I look back and something went wrong and I knew what the right thing would have been in that situation. And I didn't say it because I didn't want to hurt someone's feelings. And I realized I could have helped that. I could have helped that person avoid that. So maybe some younger leaders you can hear from us, like begin with the end in mind. Cause if God's given you right, good, biblical wisdom. It could help somebody. It may not feel good, but it could help somebody could save their life. And Mm. so I'm, I'm going after a clear conscience and that is helping me, um,
3: that's great.
1: -hmm.
4: Yeah. I I would just say about, you know, you you use the phrase, um, how do I not take it home with me? And that, Mm. that I'll be honest, like the last, the last few years for us personally, uh, our family, our church, um, you know, that idea that you're guilty by association is a really hard one to live with. Wow. And you know, I, there's been days where I've had to just go, I've had to go, we've got a forest at the end of our street and I just had to go and just, just stay there until, until, until I've dealt with it in my own spirit. And it might feel like, you know, I've dealt with it. And then the next day I'm going back there again. And, you know, again, I'm just speaking to that specifically for anybody on the call or anybody that's listening. Um, it may not be, you may not feel like you're in a similar situation to what, what pastor Kyle is talking about. Maybe it's something else. And you're, you just, you're carrying it in your spirit. Um, but that whole dynamic of, of, of taking it home with you. Um, you owe it to, you know, you owe it to your family, you owe it to your spouse, you owe it to your kids to bring the best part of who you are. And that's, that's not always easy, right? When, when, when it feels like the whole world is against you. And especially when you're trying to raise kids, for example, in an environment where you're shielding them almost from potentially some of the hurt that comes with living right. church. Like I want my kids to grow up loving church and loving God's house, loving the local, the local church, um, not not in a naive sense right like i don't want them to I think that it's all sunshine and butterflies and rainbows right there's there's real people there's real situations um and so one of the ways that you know even my wife and i've have, have have been able to do that is we, we do we try and we definitely have date night when it's where it's like okay there's no church talk right we try and have have our friendship circle yeah and, I mean, literally local church, like all of our friends are local church leaders. Like we're all in the same space. And so we, we make a pact. We're like, we had Canadian Thanksgiving this past weekend and it was like, right, we're going to go in, no church talk. That's, that's the rule. We talk about absolutely anything, just no church talk. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to create that, that safe space, mm-hmm. um, knowing that then at another point, you can go to a, th- that trusted person. And one of the things that's been really helpful for me is to ha- to have somebody that gets gets church gets local church, maybe not on the same level as me, like organizationally, but understands the dynamics and the nuances and all that stuff. And just being able to say to them, listen, I'm really going through the ringer right now with this. I don't need you to necessarily even have an answer for me. I just need you to like, hear me out and pray for me. And, and, you know, if you, if you hear me kind of going down the road of dishonor or the road of, you know, smack talking or whatever, like just, just, Give me a little bit of grace, but then, but then call me back to, to who know I can be and who you, you know what I mean and who I'm who I'm supposed to be and and I think even if we're on the other side of that, like if we are the voice that is able to speak back into that situation, I just think, man, like if we can create an environment where people can come judgment free and 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 be able to articulate what they're walking through, yeah. but then actually go back to them and say, but this is who I see you as. This is this is what makes you a great leader. And just to affirm the gifts on their life, you're not speaking yep. directly to the situation. You're not speaking to, you know, the, the politics of it or the leadership dynamics or whatever. You're literally saying, hey, this is what I see in you. This is why we're friends. This is why we do life together, you know, and Very good. be able to just just lift them up and lift their arms. I think that's, that's a really significant offering.
2: John, don't you think too, like that person you just described, I think it naturally kind of happens where that person becomes that for you. But then at some point I feel like you got to let them know that's who they are for you.
1: Yeah. You know, I I have
2: a friend who's, who, you know, is no longer, I would consider her like my best friend, but she's been in this house like fully committed legacy giver full on been in church for 20 years. Sees the good, the bad, whatever has no issues. And, and I, I feel like she knows now, like we've talked about this, like, she knows and she prays for me so often that sometimes she doesn't even have to see it on me. I'll get a text message that says, Hey, you've been on my heart. Is everything okay? And I feel like God blesses us with people like that. And in addition to having your pastor support, but having a person in your corner, a person that I could literally put my head down on the table and cry and not have to say why, you know, Mm -hmm. because we need those people and it can't always be our family. You're hundred percent right. Mm -hmm. I'm in the same boat as you. My husband's not in ministry, you know, he's outside of ministry. So but it, which is beautiful, too, because he's one of those people that can enc- encourage and challenge and, and support me from a different perspective because he's not too close to the action, if you will.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Yeah. So I want to take us on a right hand turn for a minute. We had a couple of questions come in at some past events and on social media. I keep track of all of them. And I've, I've a couple of these questions have sat with me. I thought we could maybe do a lightning round here for a minute and just... Tackle a couple of really big questions quickly. Aren't we gonna be so good at this? Here we go. Uh, oh yeah. I we had this question come in recently. How do you balance the tension of being content with where you are while not willing to stay there? So this person is is saying like I'm I'm happy with where God has me, but I how do I balance that with also knowing there's more in me, there's more ahead. What would you guys say to that? Listener,
4: so I would say that what you see in you for the future is built by what you're doing right now. Mm. Very, very simply, Mm -hmm. that that sometimes we uproot ourselves from what we're doing right now and where we are right now in order to try and to chase the opportunity or to chase the that open door. When actually, potentially, the open door is going to come through what you're currently doing, what you're currently building.
2: I would Beautiful. say, uh, I, I, that's awesome, John. I would say also two words, gratitude with expectation. Maybe that's three words, but gratitude for where you are right now and everything that God's done without losing sight of the expectation of, of more to come.
1: That's really good. See, we're good at this lightning round. That That was like 60 seconds. That was awesome. Yeah. And if I could just jump in, I think my
3: mind goes to like why does there have to be tension? Mm. You know, I want want to live my life grateful for, like Nicole said, grateful, gratitude for today, grateful to just be on the bus, like to be invited into the eternal work of the kingdom of God for today. And, you know, there was, it reminds me of the disciples, like here they are with Jesus and they're like bickering about who among them is the greatest, I think it's Matthew 23. And in the King Jimmy, the King James version, Jesus says to them, and I hope this will ring true to you. And it, it's a, it's like a mimetic, I think mimatic phrasing. It'll, it'll stick in your mind. What is that to thee? Follow thou me. What is that to thee? Follow thou me. This is Jesus's response to wow. them saying who among us is the greatest. And I think that there's a, there's a, a goodness to a desire to, grow and develop and you know climb the ladder so to speak but at the same time like you remember top gun maverick here you've got tom cruise's character a captain in the uh air force still teaching pilots when he was mocked for that they said you should be an admiral by now and yet he's a captain and and so i think that just an understanding that God will place you where he wants you for such a time as this. And if this is the farthest you ever advance in the kingdom of God professionally in a, in your career, why is that not good enough? Why is that not great enough? You know, I mean, here we are, broken, fallen, messed up, jacked up sinners ourselves and we get invited into the holy work of helping somebody move forward in their walk with Jesus and we get a paycheck for it. I mean, slap your grandma, this is some special stuff. Like I I just don't want to diminish that. Of course, I want to move forward. And personally speaking, I've been on staff at my church for a long time, and I would not say I've ever been passed over intentionally or unintentionally for a promotion. I think I've just been placed where uh, they see my leadership sees in me my greatest impact in the work of the ministry. Now, my pride says I sure would like to have a title with this and these letters behind it and another zero here on my you know, salary or something like that. But, you know, God has placed me under my leaders and I can't get over anything he's called me to be over until I just get under right. the people he's
1: placed me to be under. That's great. Here's one that that came in at an event. Lindsay and I actually encounter this on the road a decent amount. Like this is. This is common probably even on your own teams. How do I navigate staff relationships where one spouse is not in alignment with the other? This could be about ministry, this could be about any number of things. One staff member, they went on to say, one staff member is incredibly supportive of the ministry while the other attends while kind of volunteering. So we just have we have a misalignment in a relationship potentially around ministry. What would you say?
2: I could give you two perspectives on that. The first one would mm-hmm. just be a personal example. Um, my, uh, my husband would probably have been in that boat for a season while I was a campus pastor. When I first started mm-hmm. out, my husband would come from, my husband was in business. And while he was 100% supportive, believed that I was the person for the job, loves pastors, Kevin and Sheila, was wrestling with some own internal stuff, that that was taking him out of the game, so to speak. So we're talking. We have multiple services. He would come to a service, get there right on time, leave right when it was over. See you at home. This is your gig, your thing, your. And that was very lonely for me. I didn't. I, it wasn't that he was not supportive in the in in the anti this church, but it was in not supportive of. I'm going to partner with you, and we're in this together, and let's do ministry as a team. I didn't have that for probably the first couple of years. And I remember the loneliness I felt sitting in a front row, supporting my pastor, leading teams, doing all these things and longing to have that level of support from my spouse. So for me, what, what did I do? Uh, I, first of all, I didn't hammer him for not being there. I didn't, I, when I felt the loneliness or I felt the disappointment, I took it to the Lord because I knew that God was doing a work in my spouse. And I already knew that there was conviction and there were things being worked out. He didn't need to know. He didn't need to hear my voice affirming what he already knew to be true, which was he wasn't where he belonged and he wasn't doing what he knew God was asking him to do. He didn't need that from me. And he certainly didn't want to hear it from the campus pastor. So (laughs) uh, what he needed from me was to call out the greatness I saw in him and the potential. And that was I had to give up my loneliness and my burden to God and trust that the Holy Spirit that I knew was at work in my husband's life, that he was going to speak the things, that he was going to open up my husband's eyes to how important it was for me to have him sitting beside me. And here we are several years later, and that's not who my husband is anymore. And I believe it's because I, you know, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Again, it's the goodness of God. And I just kept reminding of how good God was in his life. All of the things that God had been doing in our families. I kept showing him fruit. This is the fruit of me doing this job. This is the fruit for our family. This is the fruit for our children. And and just highlighting all the positives that I could, that I know helped break off some of the funk, if you will. And I had to trust that the Lord was going to do that work. So that's not a 30 second answer. That's a personal experience for me. It's great. But I will tell you that I've also seen it in, in staff and team where one spouse is, I've watched it, where they are called of God on gung ho, their spouse is had to walk through something too, an offense, if you will, a sidelining, uh, I'm t- at home taking care of the kids while you're out living large in ministry life, whatever that looks like, you know, we glamorize things. And I just I, I and in those circumstances, I have actually called the spouse in with the with I actually have a conversation with both of them. When, this, when, the, when the staff member, or lead team member, volunteer confided in me that this is going on, I say, it's time for us to sit down together and get a table of truth conversation going. Let's get all the cards on the table. Let me pastor and minister to your spouse. And can I tell you, it is petrifying, terrifying for that staff member to trust me to not make the problem worse, if you will. And I remember saying straight up, here's what I'm going to share with your spouse. Here's how I'm going to challenge them. Here's how I'm going to love them. And this, and I said, and now I'm asking you not to say anything to them. I'm telling you these things because I want to bring comfort to you, knowing that when we have this conversation, you can trust me to care for the soul and the heart of your spouse that is very fragile right now. I, and if you feel like this is the wrong, too much, too soon, I'll pull back. But this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm feeling. This is where I want to go with them and i've done it and i'm telling you there's so much fruit that has come from just Beautiful. a staff member's house being seen and saying hey we get it this is hard you're struggling we're in this struggle with you together. How can I support you? What more do you need from us? Are, is this a is there is there a night of the week that we can come to an agreement where maybe you need more of your spouse's time? I can make that concession. Let's compromise. Let's make. I want to I want to show them and give them a gesture that shows them that I see them. I see the struggle, and we're going to do what we can to love them and not ignore that there's an issue going on and and give them something so to speak.
1: Beautiful. Absolutely, well said. And going back, going back to your, going back to your husband. Um, I actually just saw him walking Are into church. Are you
2: meddling? Are you meddling in my personal life now, Brandon? No, okay, here we no, go. I was
1: going to compliment him because I, I just I walked into it, church heard. on, just walked to church on Sunday and I saw him. He was out at the curb at the at the you know front circle drive, and he's actually brilliant work in the front door the lobby he's extremely present now and i was actually just thinking on sunday how much i appreciated him i did not know that was your journey and i think that's a great testament to I will, what you just said i will said.
2: also say he ha- you what you just said he's out at, notice he's out at the front and he's out in the lobby he is where i am not and that's by design and intentionality yeah. for him. Yeah. I, the, the, the team asked him, "Do you want to be on platform and help Nicole?" And she goes, "He said one thing: Is she going to boss me around, <laughs> <laughs> is she in charge of this?" And they're like, "Well, yeah, she kind of does." He goes, "Yeah, no, that's not the place for me." And and that's and to be honest, he's the spiritual leader, and this is a tension that we have in our house because when we get into our home environment, he leads. People are surprised. They'll often say, "Oh, well, Pastor Nicole, it's she's the pastor. She's going to pray over this." No, I defer. My husband yeah. leads our home. Yeah. I defer and it's very, beautiful. there's no question about it. He leads, he grows, he does. And then we have learned to balance the the deferring in different areas when it comes to the church world as well. And we lead in each other's, We lead in our strengths and it's been a game changer for us. So I'll tell him that though. It'll mean a lot. So to him to hear good. It.
1: Yes, please do. John, I'm going to give you the last question today, sir. We've gone way too long as we always do. We're supposed to do like 25 minute podcast episodes and I go like, 45 to an hour but there's just too much there's too much so will you help us land the plane with a great final question we can wrestle through
4: i would i would love to ask a question i don't know if it's going to help with the length but we're gonna go there anyway um yeah i i was thinking about this this question it's something that i've i guess i've personally walked through at different points but i've also seen it for other leaders as well and i'm thinking specifically about second chair leaders like what To what extent do we think that a second chair leader should work to create or to build systems to help their oversight or to help their pastor to actually remain healthy? So a great example would be, you know, if you've got a pastor or if you've got an oversight that really struggles to take a day off and they are always harassing you on your day off, or, you know, they'd never take their holiday, workaholics whatever however you, however you want to verbalize it um it can be very difficult to kind of function in in a space under that kind of leadership and to actually have those boundaries for yourself what to what what degree do you guys think we should be as second chair leaders trying to create that culture and set that culture and, and lead up in that in that sense
1: what an interesting question I'm sure Pastor Nicole has a brilliant answer.
2: <laughs> well, let me say this. Uh, actually, I'm a very boundaried person. I would be sure. probably qualified as a, a reluctant leader. Pastor Kevin has m- said that very often. And because I because I am, I, when I took on this role, I was a, I'm a mother of three children. They're grown now. Thank you, Jesus. And they all love the Lord. Um But I also felt a massive commitment to that, that, that I wouldn't, I did not, I told him when I said yes. In fact, Brandon was in the room once when I told him, no, I wouldn't take this job. And I, the reason I gave him was that was where I was in the season of my life as, as my first responsibility, which was to parent. And I my, we Without going to was a long backstory with us. My husband was working 60 hour work weeks. Somebody needed to be present for the kids. And I said, listen, at the end of the day, you, I might be the right person for this job, but I've been given three treasures and I'm not giving, and, and I will stand before God for those three kids. Right. And I, I'm responsible. Them And no one else is, you can't, you're not going to be the one held accountable to to Jesus for how you stewarded your parenting in these children's lives. I will be. And so I said, no, eventually I said, yes. The end of the day, um, when pastor Kevin, uh, like we had a culture where it was very blurry, very blurry on when to, when to do this. And and you hear all kinds of conflicting. Like I just listened to the Manny Arango podcast that, 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 you know, that, that pastor Brandon he's talking about, I'm going to be the one to drive my pastor to the airport. I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have said that because I understand why he said it. But for me in that season, I couldn't have done that without, without it costing too much in my personal life with my kids and my family. So leading up what sounded like this for me, I said, hey, you know, he would send me a text message on my day off or an email. And I, and I finally just asked him, I said, hey, I got a question for you. I, I need some clarity on something. And that is uh, when you send me a text message on a Friday, when, when it is really my Sabbath rest, do you expect me to respond to you? Or is that just a placeholder because you don't want to forget something or you're like, what, what are your expectations on these days where you mm-hmm. said are my days? I need to know from you what your expectation is on those days. And I, and I know Very I good. initially caught him off guard because I don't think that that had ever been anybody who asked him that question before. And, and it was really helpful because he says, nah, I'm, he goes, now, nah, if there's an emergency 911 and I need you, he goes, that's one off. He goes, that's an outlier. That shouldn't be happening every single week. But If there's something that I say to you and, 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 you know, it's not urgent or immediate, then, then cool, no problem. Get to it when it's convenient for you. And if you wait till Sunday to do that, I'm fine with that, especially with email and different things. So, cause I, as a mother, I would come home in the evenings and then when I got home at five o'clock, I put my phone down. And I was present for my children and my family. And then when they went to bed and everybody's tucked away, I'd grab my phone again and see if there was anything I needed to follow up with. Now there were other staff members who perceived a text message as an urgent 911. Everything's urgent. 911. Stop everything with my family and answer this answer it right now because Ooh, pastor's asking. And I feel like they misrepresented our leader to their families and caused resentment. That was really not necessary. And that's not the intention of what our pastor meant. So I don't, I, I like when you said an unhealthy leader that doesn't take days off, I would ask that question. I would just flat out say, do you have an expectation for me on the days that you've given me off to actually engage? And if so, what does that look like? And then yeah. if it, so, when do I get some uninterrupted time?
4: Yeah. So, so to follow, to follow up on that, then if, if the, if the answer comes back I'm going to kind of play yeah. the devil's advocate a little bit, when the answer comes back and it's, it's like, no, you're at my beck and call type vibe. Not that, you know, sure. again, hopefully, hopefully we're all building healthy, healthy cultures. How, how would you respond to that?
2: Well, again, because I'm a boundary person, I would probably say then I'm not the right fit for this role. It, it would, it would have to come down to my personal conviction. I would, I would, and again, that's in the context of what is like, I, I understand the personal assistant role. I really do. And there's a certain measure of a con of a constant need to be supportive I know for me personally, I could never fulfill that role. I would not do my self-service and I wouldn't do my pastor service. Does it mean I'm not called by God? No, it does not mean that. It just means that that's not the role I be- for me. Yeah. And for some people, I believe they can fulfill that role. And there's a grace on their life to do it, so to speak. Whether or not it's healthy or unhealthy, I think that has to be determined by the individuals in relationship and in conversation with their senior leaders or their not even senior leaders, just their leaders in general.
1: Well, and I think what the as you were talking called the idea that came to my mind too was, don't you think this answer could shift and change depending on stage of life? because Total. because for for me, like i'd I'd still drive up and drive my pastor to the airport now absolutely still would problem is number one i have two kids now i was single then, or you know newly married then <laughs> you know he now lives 35 miles away from me he used to live 5 miles away from me you know so you right. you considering the very real nature of life and the impact cuz i you know a a young hungry 20 something who's wanting yes. to learn and glean everything they need to probably needs yeah. to have a different approach to this than someone with, with a couple kids. And you know, the, so I think there, there's one dynamic there of just really considering your answer on stage of life. Because in my, my personal opinion, we have too many young twenties leaders drawing too heavy of boundaries when I'm thinking you don't even know what you're robbing yourself of by, by setting up that boundary. But yet you, as an established leader with now decades of ministry and leadership, yeah, it can sound a little different. And uh, as someone who's not been boundary-oriented always, something, going back to my little, (laughs) my bother on organizations right now, is maybe, John, part of the answer to your question is maybe our job as second chair leaders is to help establish some of these Um, expectations for the organization. So maybe, maybe part of the expectation is, and just let me use an example. What if for the organization, the expectation is text messages are answered within an hour, you you know, understanding that's a more urgent form of communication and emails are answered within a day. Well, if you think about it, that might seem kind of quick, but the urgent staff member who's dropping everything and answering a text message, almost careening off the road because they're, they're answering a text message while they're driving. An hour is a nice breather. You can, you can see an unread text and go, okay, I have a minute, you know, um, before I need to. So, but on, on, in some case that could speed someone up to realize I need to do this within the hour. And so maybe just organization-wide expectations start to level that off a little bit. And who better to do that than us than than to start to lead that, I guess?
2: Well, I think it comes... You said the word healthy, though, too. You said unhealthy, a leader that maybe has some unhealthy behavioral traits, like a workaholic, kind of described like a bit of a workaholic. I think that also comes into factor in play. And so wisdom, harmless. Wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. I'm asking the question of my leader, not just for my own clarity, but for supporting and helping them. What does Sabbath look like in your life? How, how, do, you, how do you rest and when do you rest? And I, I, I'm feeling, you know, being honest and transparent, like, man, I, I, I'm struggling to find Sabbath rest. What could, what, how do you do that? What, what am I doing in that moment? I'm bringing an awareness to my leader that I need their wisdom and guidance on it, but I might also be bringing an awareness to a leader that maybe something they hadn't thought about in a really long time. And sometimes when we have to lead someone else, we we start to really do some own self-examination yeah. along the yeah. way too.
4: So, very good.
1: You know, I'll I'll maybe land us with this comment today, uh, just to empathize with our pastors for a minute. Uh, some of us serve uh, pastors who planted churches. Who carved out churches from nothing, they have what's called founders' disease. They will always be founders. The the guts and the courage and the initiative it took to found is what they still carry today, even 10, 20, 30 plus years in, they will always be founders. And I think that's what's so interesting is those of us that come along midstream, we interact with founders, and founders have that grit. And Let's just remember that's God's grace to us. That's why we have the great churches we have is because we have pastors that had enough guts and courage to get out there and do it. But I think John, you bring up a great point. You bring up a great point. We can help them steward what God is now doing. um, Now that our church is more mature. So thank you guys for a great conversation today. I love this. I want to do this again soon. Uh, but bless you guys. Thanks for some wisdom today.
2: Thank you, thank you,
3: Brandon, John, Nicole. This has been awesome. Such an honor always to have a couple minutes to spend with you. We are just so grateful to God for what He's doing through Leading Second and those of you listening. Uh, we just believe that the the power of the Holy Spirit is present even in a podcast that was recorded back in time uh, for your life, for what God is going to do in you and through you. And uh, of course, we're so. Uh, blessed to watch what God has done in your lives, Brandon and Lindsay. Grateful for you. Love you.
0: To find the episode guide, visit our website, leadingsecond.com forward slash podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.